This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to the Diabetes Knowledge and Practice Podcast, your bi-weekly source of news, views, and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk AS, who has had no influence on the content or choice of faculty. As always, I'm James Bannister. And I'm Emma Phillips. To round off our discussions surrounding injectable therapies, today we'll be looking at clinical trial data surrounding different therapeutics and combinations, including basal insulins, mealtime insulins, basal bolus techniques, and the combination of insulin with GLP-1 receptor agonists. We'll then join Dr. Tim Heitzer, co-founder and lead scientist of the Profil Institute, to discuss what these data mean in the wider context of clinical care. As usual, all references discussed during the session are available in the episode notes. In addition, if you are already thoroughly familiar with this topic, please do feel free to skip ahead to the interview at the five-minute mark. Over the past two months, we've explored various aspects of injectable-based treatment, including titration methods, hyperglycemia risk reduction, glucose monitoring strategies, and discussing these all with patients. However, the term injectable therapies covers a wide range of therapeutics, including basal insulins, GLP-1 receptor agonists, rapid-acting mealtime insulins, and pre-mixed products, or fixed-dose combinations. Selecting the appropriate combination of agents for individual patients requires a broad knowledge of each option. So today we'll be guiding you through a brief overview of data surrounding the basal, basal bolus and basal GLP-1 combination approaches in type 2 diabetes. As discussed in our episode on hypoglycemia, there are a number of different classes of basal insulins, as well as individual agents within each of these. These include intermediate-acting insulins, including NPH insulin, long-acting insulins, including insulin Detamir and Glargine U100, and ultra-long-acting insulins, including insulin Degladec and insulin Glargine U300. Looking across classes, longer-acting agents are associated with increased glycemic stability and reduced incidence of hypoglycemia. However, head-to-head trials have not found significant differences between within-class agents. For example, a 2011 Cochrane review of trials comparing Detamir and Glargine U100 found no clinically relevant difference in efficacy or safety for either agent. More recently, trials such as Conclude found no significant differences between Degladec and Glargine U300, illustrating a similar lack of difference between the ultra-long acting class. Where basal insulin alone is insufficient in controlling blood glucose, it's been common practice to escalate to mealtime injections of fast-acting insulin. In a similar parallel to basal insulins, these prandial insulins have seen the development of agents with increasingly faster onset and offset of action. In general, two classes have emerged. Fast-acting insulins, including Aspart and Lispro, and ultra-fast insulins, including faster Aspart, ultra-rapid insulin Lispro and biochaperone Lispro. However, unlike the basal insulins, the difference between the two classes has not demonstrated differences in glycemic control or hyperglycemia. For example, the ONSET2 trial compared insulin aspart with faster aspart and saw no improvements in HbA1c or rates of hyperglycemia. Similarly, pooled data from the two PRONTO studies comparing Lispro versus ultra-rapid Lispro saw no significant difference in HbA1c or hyperglycemia rate. These trials did, however, demonstrate that the faster agents allowed for more flexible dosing and improved postprandial glucose. 
Another option for people with type 2 diabetes is a combination of basal insulin and a GLP-1 receptor agonist. This includes both separate injections of the two classes and fixed ratio combinations of either insulin degladec and liraglutide, called idegalera, or insulin glargine and lixisenatide, or iglarlixi. This approach can provide comparable glycemic control with a more favorable side effect profile compared to insulin alone. For example, the JUUL7 trial compared idegalera to a combination of insulin glargine U100 with mealtime insulin aspart in people with uncontrolled type 2 diabetes on a regimen of glargine U100 and metformin. The trial observed a non-inferior reduction in HbA1c between both groups, but saw a significantly lower number of severe or blood glucose-confirmed symptomatic hypoglycemia events with idegalera compared to the basal bolus group. Similarly, weight loss was observed in the idegalera group, while weight gain was observed in the basal bolus group. A similar post-hoc propensity score-matched analysis by Tabak et al. compared patients who received iglalixi in the Lililan L study with patients from the GetGoal Duo 2 trial who received a basal bolus regimen. The investigators matched patients from these datasets based on age, sex, race, diabetes duration, baseline BMI, HbA1c, fasting glucose, insulin dose and metformin use creating two matched groups of 195 patients. Comparing these two groups, this study observed benefits in HbA1c control and body weight for the iglarlixi group, concluding that this combination may offer an effective alternative to basal bolus without increased hypoglycemia risk or weight gain. These are just some of the many trials performed comparing individual agents within and between classes. But what is the clinical significance of these differences? And how can we match these to individual patients? Joining our discussion this week is Dr. Tim Heiser, co-founder and lead scientist at the Profil Institute for Metabolic Research in Neuss, Germany. Welcome, Dr. Heiser. Let's start with our first question. Looking at the available data, are there any clinically significant conclusions we can draw regarding specific agents or regimens and their role in type 2 diabetes? For example, are fixed ratio combinations preferable to basal bolus regimens? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I think um, fixed ratio combinations are becoming more and more popular, and, and rightly so. And I think we will see a similar trend uh, in in the future. In particular, now we there are developments with once weekly uh, fixed ratio combinations. So basically reducing the, the burden on patients even more and Perhaps uh, we, we still need to see the results um, that there might even be uh, even better outcomes than with the fixed ratio combinations we have so far. So if you look at uh, the treatment recommendations of the ERC and ADA, it's really the GLP-1s gaining momentum um, and uh, they are recommended much earlier than uh, insulins, basically because they, they have um, very positive cardiovascular outcome measures, whereas basal insulins are, um, are neutral. So I think there is a lot of sense on preferring fixed ratio combinations to basal bolus regimens. Marvelous, thank you. And looking across the state of GLP-1 receptor agonists, basal bolus regimens, and injectables in general, are there any unanswered questions that you would like to see explored in future trials? 
Well, I think one of the major questions that we really still have to answer is uh, the cardiovascular safety um, of these combinations. As I said, um, we have positive data for the GLP-1s. We have neutral data for the basal insulins. But it's a bit hard to conclude that basically the advantage um, we see with the GLP-1s will easily translate to the fixed ratio combinations. Uh, there is, of course, hope, but we still need to prove that. In particular, as the as many patients will not receive the full or the maximum uh, GLP-1 dose with these uh, fixed ratio combinations. So it's it's a bit hard to, to say that, well, what we saw for the uh, GLP-1s will automatically translate to the fixed ratio combinations, although this is, of course, uh, what, what we hope for. The second question I think would is, is very important to investigate is the durability of fixed ratio combinations on glycemic control. Uh, usually, basal insulins or all kind of insulins uh, can be uptitrated as needed. There is no upper dose limit. Um, with fixed ratio combinations, this is no longer true. Um, so there is an upper dose limit, which basically is dependent on the maximum dose of the GLP-1 component. Uh, so it is conceivable if uh, type 2 diabetes progresses that uh, at some point in time, at least some patients will need more basal insulins and they can't increase the dose of the fixed ratio combinations and then need to either switch to separate injections or to a basal bolus regimen. Uh, and it will be quite interesting to see how long we can keep patients on this one injection of a fixed ratio combination. Um, and that might actually be uh, many years in many patients, uh, but it would be good to see uh, some more data than what we currently have. Thank you. And you covered this a little bit in your last answer, but are there any specific situations or anything clinicians and patients should be considering once selecting between combinations? For example, are there any scenarios that would benefit more from a basal bolus regimen versus a GLP-1 receptor agonist plus basal insulin? Yes, well, of course, um, I mean, when we say uh, in general, fixed ratio combinations are perhaps preferable uh, to basal bolus regimens, this is always will be an, a decision of individual patients. So if you uh, have patients who are slim uh, and who don't, for, for whom weight gain is, is not a major issue, um, who might even fear gastrointestinal side effects of GLP-1s, which, which you still see with fixed ratio combinations, although uh, the, the rate of uh, adverse events is, is much lower than with the individual GLP-1 um, components. But there certainly are patients who might prefer uh, not to be on a GLP-1 uh, in, uh, of a GLP-1 agonist or, or on fixed ratio combinations. And these are, of course, patients where um, the the start with, with a basal insulin and then later uh, a basal bolus regimen uh, might make a lot of sense. Um, in general, 
I think a combination, a fixed combination of insulins, um, supremixed insulins um, or biphasic insulins um, are or have been a, a mean to make insulin therapy easier for some patients who have difficulty to cope with two different insulins. For these patients, usually a fixed ratio combination of GLP-1 and uh, basal insulin is, is much preferable. It's, it's just one injection. Uh, it's quite easy to titrate, uh, and many of them uh, will have better control and, in particular, less hypoglycemia, uh, which, in particular, for, for uh, elderly patients, is, is a major safety component. So I think that most patients will be fine with a fixed ratio combination of GLP-1 basal insulins, but there might be some who really uh, need a basal bolus regimen or at least, or start with the basal insulin alone. Um, and the other thing, which of course is, is always hard for a medical doctor to, to judge, um, is a cost component. Usually fixed ratio combinations, GLP-1 basal insulins are more expensive than basal bolus uh, regimens. And that of course has also to be taken into account reimbursement situations are different uh, across countries. And, and so this is all an individual decision. As a final question, are there any specific considerations when selecting between within-class options, such as selecting between the available fixed-ratio combinations? Yeah, I well, of course, if you have a fixed-ratio combination or a combination in general, um, then, of course, you have to look at the uh, the data of the or the quality of the individual components. So uh, currently, for for the fixed ratio combinations of uh, GLP ones and basal insulins, we only have uh, two options. Uh, that's the combination of lixisenatide uh, with insulin largin, and the combination of insulin degludec with liraglutide. Um, and uh, I, if, if we look at the head-to-head -head comparison. Well, there are no head-to-head -head comparisons between these two combinations, but there are head-to-head -head comparisons between uh, the the basal insulins and also um, some data on the um, com on comparisons between lixisenatide and liraglutide. And well, for the basal insulins, I think it's it's very clear that insulin degludec leads to less hypoglycemia than uh, at least larginu one hundred. Um, so this is certainly an advantage for the degludec combination. For the GLP-1s, um, we do see a better postprandial glucose with um, lixisenatide, which is more a short-acting GLP-1, um, whereas um, liraglutide has a better effect on uh, the fasting glucose and on HbA1c, and this is probably what counts more. Um, so I would think at the moment between these two combinations, it seems that IDEC Lyra um, might have a bit of an advantage. Um, but of course, uh, we, we need to see head-to-head -head data. And uh, as I said, there are uh, developments that might even get better results. And um, it's certainly a good idea to, to look at the data we will have in the future with once weekly combinations. Of course, GLP-1s nowadays uh, are also available in a, in a tablet form. So you might even think about 
com combining a basal insulin with an oral GLP-1. So there are a lot of options that you that you can think about. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today and all your interesting insights. Thank you. Thank you. I really enjoyed uh, our little talk. Um, I think the discussion on injectables and the advantages or disadvantages of fixed ratio combinations of GLP-1s, basal insulins um, is, is a very important one. And I hope uh, that everyone who listens had, has a bit of an insight of what's going on. And as I said, there are even more exciting developments in the future. So I'm sure we can repeat that in a couple of years. This brings us to the end of today's time. To summarize, the combination of a GLP-1 receptor agonist and basal insulin presents an attractive alternative to a basal bolus regimen, having displayed similar efficacy to one another in clinical trials, but with a reduced risk of weight gain or hypoglycemia with the GLP-1 combination. Fixed ratio combinations offer a way of administering this regimen with a reduced total number of injections, but depending on an individual's dose requirements or preferences, it may be more advantageous to explore once weekly injections or daily oral formulations of the GLP-1 agonist and separate injections of basal insulin. Thank you for joining us. As a reminder, all references discussed today are available in the description and we'd love to hear from you on social media. And if you haven't done so already, please do consider subscribing to this podcast on your favorite app and recommending us to your colleagues. You can also access all of our free accredited CME content at knowledgeandpractice.eu, including interactive case studies and packages for small group learning. Thanks again, and we look forward to joining you again in the next episode, where we'll be looking at highlights from the annual meeting of the European Society for Cardiology.